Welcome to The Movement with your host, Shannon D. Hughes. In your life, do you celebrate the downfalls along with the peaks? You should. These define you as the person you are and help you learn your way to personal success. Now, here is the host of The Movement, Shannon D. Hughes. Hello, Movement Nation. Shannon D. Hughes here on May 2nd, 2018, and the movement continues. And if anybody's been listening to the show since the start of the show back in April, I have been promoting the Me Too month of May, and that starts today. Uh, This is my contribution to the Me Too movement, and I have selected eight women over five weeks to let them tell their stories and talk about the empowerment of women. And I just am very excited about this show. And to kick off this show, I have uh, a heavy hitter and there was nobody else that I could have to start off this show. But we do welcome calls to the show, 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. International people, yeah, we know you're out there. We we see you out there. We have a number for you, 001-480-398-14. Zero five email the show Shannon at s Shannon D Hughes the movement.com for any for questions for my first guest and my first guest um, look if all of us have flown the friendly skies at some point and most of the pilots are men but however did you all know that pilots of, of women of pilots are increasing but there's a certain segment of the pilot nation African American females in the United States that is less than one percent. Less than 1%. Well, I was able to get one of them, and she is in this esteemed class. Uh, Nia Wardlaw is a commercial pilot of over 20 years. She has been featured by many magazines and honored by PBS American Masters as one of 15 trailblazing women. And she's going to talk about where she got her start, and she's going to talk about her organization, Purpose, Faith, and Fly. So to kick off the Me Too month of May here on May 2nd, I welcome Nia Wardlaw. Hello, Nia. Good, good, good. Now, I, I'm going to need you to speak up a little bit because I can barely hear you. Now, I have to I have to tell you this right off the bat. I'm a little upset with you because you don't call, you don't write, you don't text, you don't send smoke signals. I had to get an interview for us to have a conversation. You, see, you know this, right? <laughs> oh, please don't hold that against me. Oh, I know. I'm flying I'm, all over the world. It's tough. <laughs> absolutely. Well, now, let, all right, Nia, so I have to give everybody the backstory. So, Nia and I grew up together, and actually, I'll take it back further than that. Nia's parents, John and Alma Gilliam, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Gilliam, and my parents, Charles and Erling Hughes, they all went to high school together here in Chicago, Illinois, at Farragut Academy. And now, Farragut actually turned out a couple of celebrities. Uh, that would be Pat Sajak, the host of Wheel of Fortune, and Kevin Garnett, the future Hall of Fame of the NBA. So they all went to high school together, and they all had... Um, they had uh, John and Alma had Nia and her sister Camila. Hello, Camila. And my parents had my brother and myself. We're twin brothers, Shannon. Shannon and my brother's name is Terrence. And we all went to high, uh, grade school here in Broadview, Illinois. And Nia, I don't know if you remember this. My my grandmother, my father's mother, used to take care of your grandmother. I don't know if you remember that way back in the day when we were when we were some uh, shorties back in the day, a uh, long, long time ago. So we have family, family history. So, um, Nia, you, you have grown up and gotten married, had two wonderful kids. Your sister has, has, a, has a child. My brother has one. I do not. I just still act like I'm a child right now. But everything was working out very, very well. But Nia, so... You and I went to grade school together, but we did not go to high school or college together. So I always knew you had a interest in flying and everything. So I want you to start and tell us where that started from. When, where did you, what was your first inspiration and where did that take you to? Wow. So we're going to go way back to Broadview because that's where it all started for me. Uh, I was 10 years old and, you know, Shannon, we grew up not so far from Chicago O'Hare International Airport. And remember walking to school and seeing all these planes flying overhead? Well, I was always looking up at those airplanes and wondering, where are they going? And, oh, that plane looks so cool. And I just <laughs> wanted to be up there, up there flying the planes, traveling to see the world. So I was 10 years old when this all started. And thank God for wonderful support systems and wonderful parents that we have. Absolutely. Um, I always had the support. Um, you know, this 10-year-old little girl um, saying that I want to be a pilot, 
uh, that's just not the norm or wasn't the norm then, and we're going to change that so that it is the, uh, the narrative today. But, however, back in 1980-something-something-something, uh, <laughs> you know, I was saying I want to be a pilot. Um, so that's what I did. I just pressed forward and just kept talking and saying, I want to be a pilot, I want to be a pilot, and my parents just supported me, you know, and, and uh, you remember Broadview Public Library, Shannon? I uh, certainly do. It was a pretty small library, and right. I made it a point to go to that library and read every book they had, and I read every book they had, but it was a small library, so it wasn't that many books. But I did learn a lot about aviation, and uh, I was steadfast in what I wanted to do. So uh, in grade school, I attended a space camp in Huntsville, Alabama. That's uh, right. where I went and learned about becoming an astronaut. It's, right. You pretend to be an astronaut and, and fly shuttle missions, and it was a lot of fun. You know, I went to space camp in sixth grade and seventh grade and in eighth grade, and I entered high school at uh, Oak Park River Forest High School in Oak Park, Illinois. Right. I, yeah, and uh, still thinking of wanting to be a pilot, and again, that was just my everyday conversation. So it was my junior year. Oh, up to this point, might I add, I did not know any pilots. You know, okay. my mom was a teacher. My dad worked at the VA hospital managing the radiology department, uh, right. Heinz VA Hospital. And yes. we just didn't have anybody in our family or our circle of friends that were pilots. Right. We didn't have the Internet back then. You remember, Shannon? There was no Internet. Oh, oh no. No. None Absolutely not. So, what what, what um, was Google back then? What was Google back then? I don't know what that was. <laughs> uh, it was called the Encyclopedia Britannica. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. So I, I recall my junior year, which, well, let me just add this. Because we weren't aware of pilots and my parents, they supported me in my dreams, but they weren't just going to send me off to the airport and go take flying lessons. One, it's expensive, and they didn't know really what they were getting into. So they said, we support right. you, but you're going to have to wait to college to start your flying, right. you know, because we, at least we're, we have the confidence that it's a, a program where, you know, you'll get what you need versus going to the airport and just taking lessons that we don't know what really is happening out there. So, so uh, with that in mind, knowing that the way for me to start flying was to get to college, mm-hmm. I needed to get to college as quickly as possible. Right. So I ended up graduating. Well, I didn't end up, but I, I took enough classes in the summer. I even took classes at Triton Junior College, I um, extra classes so that I can graduate in three years. So I actually attended high school my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, and I graduated at the end of my junior year. And it wasn't because I was smart. <laughs> it was just because I was determined. I wanted right. to fly, and I wanted to do it as quickly as possible, so that was how it had to get done. Let so me my ask junior you year, oh, yes, okay. Shannon? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I'm liking this. Go right ahead. <laughs> well, my junior year of high school, uh, I was, you know, always talking about my dreams of flying. And one particular day, it was in April of 1993, mm-hmm. I went into my history class, and my history teacher asked me to come to the front of the class before, you know, the bell rang, and we actually got into our studies. And she gave me this article from the Chicago Sun-Times, and it was an obituary about the first African-American female to earn a commercial pilot's license. She was not an airline pilot. She had a commercial pilot's license, which meant she had the ability, she, would train, she was trained to uh, get paid to fly airplanes. Okay. And she asked me, Ms. Marquez was her name, and she asked me if I knew her. And I was like, no, I don't know any pilots. And she said, well, you know, she had passed away, and I thought about you when I read her obituary. And I was like, oh, my gosh, all these years, there was a female pilot, black female pilot in the Chicagoland area. I didn't even know about her. Oh, I would have loved to have met her, to just talk to her, ask her questions. And now she's deceased. And it just, it just hurt me that, wow, I was so close to meeting somebody. But, again, there was no Internet. I didn't know how to reach people. You know, we couldn't do it back then. So she wow. said, you know, Nia, you should probably go to this funeral. Well, that would be great. I'd love to go to the funeral, but it's on a Thursday, Miss Marquez, and I have school. Right. right, right. And this is one of the stories that I tell in the the Women's List film. Okay. Um, it's a pretty cool story. I mean, in the end, I in, I ditched school because mm-hmm. something inside me said you got to get to this funeral. Right. And it was during school, but 
I had to get to the funeral, so I did school, took two trains, a bus, went to the south side of Chicago in this big church, thinking I was going to just go and see the deceased body of an African-American female pilot, someone that looked like me, that did what I, exactly what I wanted to do. And I get to the church, and there was no viewing of the body. And I know this sounds crazy, but it was devastating to me because I was like, oh, my gosh, I came all the way this, this, I came all this way. I did school, which is not what I do. I'm a good student. I'm very studious. <laughs> I did school just for this purpose, and she, her body's not here. So I was trying to figure out how to leave the church because the usher was saying to me, oh, you should still stay. You should stay. The family would enjoy seeing you here. But, Shannon, I was like, the family doesn't even know me. Right. <laughs> I need to go back to school. Right. In any event, as I'm looking around the church trying to figure out an escape route so the usher lady didn't see me leave, <laughs> <laughs> at the back of the church, there's a woman in a uniform, and I knew exactly what uniform she was wearing. Right. She was wearing an airline pilot uniform. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I knew I was there. It was to meet her. I came right. to meet or to see a dead one, and I ended up meeting a live one. I love telling that, that story, but yes, that's what that was. That was my purpose for going, um, but, and I did get to meet Stacy Harris, okay. who is my mentor, has been since I was 17 years old, who is a pilot for United Airlines and also the highest-ranking female officer. She's a general in the United States Air Force. Um, wow, highest-ranking female. Uh, officer in the history of the United States Air Force, wow. uh, General Stacy Harris. So it was a wonderful day for me because my ditching school was not in vain. I actually got to meet someone who I could talk to who looked like me, you know, right. and it was great. Absolutely. I love it. And before I ask this next question, Nia, before we go into the break, I do not condone ditching school. But if it comes out looking like this, you all, you know, ditch away as long as you get an education out of ditching school. So, Nia, let me ask you this question. And we're up against the break. During all of that, and I'm listening to you, other than your parents and your sister, obviously, was there any, you know, you're here, you're African female, African-American female trying to go into an industry where you, like you said, you don't see anybody like us. Like I said, when the movie Hidden Figures come out, I never knew anything about those ladies. I'm ashamed to admit that, but I didn't. Did you say to yourself at any point, yeah, I may have to find something else to do, or were you just saying steadfast, I got this, I'm just going to keep going? Now, never did I say I was going to find something else to do. Let me back up a little bit in my story. Mm-hmm. When I began speaking of wanting to be a pilot, my mom brought home an article about the first black female pilot. Her name was Bessie Coleman. She actually left the country to go to um, France to, to learn right. to fly. Because when she endeavored to be a pilot, it was when segregation was legal. When right. they would tell you, you're not going to fly, we won't teach you to fly because you're a woman. Because you're black because of your gender, because of your skin color. We will not teach you to fly. Um, You can't do this. And because of her perseverance and determination, she said, well, I'm not going to take no for an answer. In fact, her quote is, I refuse to take no for an answer. She learned another language, and she raised money. She uh, lived in Chicago, worked in barbershops, and and raised money, and was also um, sponsored by the uh, Defender, the magazine, um, I'm yes. sorry, the newspaper, the Chicago Defender. Yes. Uh, and she went over to Europe to learn to fly, and she came back to the States, and she would put on shows and require that, you know, um, African-Americans sit, come and view her shows. Like, if you want her, you know, they wanted to see her perform. It was, it was something that wasn't done, and it was incredible to see these barnstormers or aerobatic flying. And so um, from her story, Shannon, I said if she could succeed and in a time where, you know, in all her challenges, in today's right. age, in the 80s and the 90s, there was nothing stopping me but me. So if she could do it, there's no reason why I can't. So to answer your question, there was not a time where I was going to uh, stop flying, you know, uh, stop that dream at that age. I figured as much. I figured as much. Well, Nia, that's a perfect way to uh, go into the commercial break. But when we come back, Nia, I want to get into 
what was it like when you started your training and your schooling and then obviously eventually going into your first time behind the big wheel, as they say. So <laughs> when we come back on the movement, we will continue our wonderful conversation with Neil Wordlaw. We will be back on the movement right after this. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If your life needs some structure and direction, you may need a life coach. Interested? Contact Shannon at SDHughesEnterprises at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Trying to find a buyer for your home? Tired of paying fees and commissions? Need to get out of your home quickly with no fuss? Real market experts can help. Get a cash offer on your home today. Our nationwide network of investors will ensure you receive the best price for your home in Chicago and the Chicagoland area. Get started now. Call 1-800-SELL-NOW or 708-887-0795. You can also visit our website at realmarketexperts.com slash IL. Is your credit card processor for your business charging you high processing rates? Do you need an upgrade of your current credit card processing terminal and would like it for free? Let North American Bank Card lower those processing rates and qualify you for a free brand new credit card processing terminal. Call Shannon for a free statement analysis, 708-887-0795 or email Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to The Movement. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email or if you are looking to be a sponsor for The Movement, contact the show via email to Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. That's Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, warning, this book contains short passages that are designed to inspire, uplift, stimulate, and motivate you on various topics of life. Reading one a day is sure to change your mindset. It's a daily multivitamin of motivation. Read at your own risk. Side effects include happiness, success, increased self-esteem, a powerful voice in your community, and other wonderful things you normally wouldn't find in a book. Please go and purchase your motivational manual, Volume 1, available on Amazon.com and Kindle Fire. Yes, I am the author of that book. And speaking of someone who needs to write a book, we are back with Nia, Nia Wordlaw here on The Movement. Again, we are welcome calls and emails, 866-472-5795 if you have any questions for Nia. And also you can email the show, Shannon at ShannonDHughes-TheMovement.com. So, Neil, you told us that wonderful story before the break about Bessie Coleman. I think there's some streets named after her here in Chicago, if, I'm, if I am not mistaken. Um, You're correct. That's, so, thanks for sharing that. So, let's talk about, let's fast forward a little. Let's talk about when you started to get actually get into it, when you started your training. Tell me what that was like, finally getting your feet wet and going through all the things that you needed to go through. Sure. So, I, I graduated high school, attended Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois, and I did all my flight training. It's part of my degree. So I have a degree in aviation management and flight. And once I graduated with all my certificates, I began flight instructing. So I was then teaching other people how to fly. And that was a way to build hours and flight time and experience. And from there, I was an air tra- uh, traffic patrol pilot when I flew out of St. Louis and kind of flew around where I carried two uh, reporters for the radio station and they would give, you know, the listeners the traffic reports. From there, I worked for a regional airline out of uh, Chicago. Uh, I was based, actually, initially in uh, LaGuardia, uh, New York. I flew a 32-passenger aircraft, jet aircraft, and we just flew in the northeast region and uh, flew out of New York. I flew out of Boston, Logan Airport in that same aircraft, and later I transitioned to Chicago and flew out of Chicago O'Hare Airport, which was really uh, a sentimental moment for me when I was able to fly out of the airport that I grew up 
you know, watching airplanes fly in and out of. And, and so right. to have that experience was super awesome. From there, wow. I continued to build hours and, and experience and was then hired by a major airline, and I'm still with that company today. Very, very nice. Now, let me ask you, let's, let's talk about the first time you actually got behind that wheel when you sat there and was there, was there just, all right, let's going to, let me go ahead and do it. Was there a moment of like clarity? Like I'm, I'm finally here. I'm just going to go ahead and fly. What was that like when you finally sat behind that wheel and did your first flight? Well, for the, when I first flew an airliner, uh, I was, you know, with passengers in the back and, um, it's me in the front and I'm in my uniform and we push back from the gate taxi to the runway and hear clear for takeoff and, you know, I advance the thrust levers, hear the engines roar, go down the runway and, and rotate and climb out. And all that <laughs> was just a surreal moment. And honestly, right. there was a smile on my face the whole time <laughs> because I knew that this is all that I wanted to do. Like this from the age of 10 to the moment that I had that experience where I had passengers in the back um, it was awesome. Yes. Wow. That is, that, that, that's just, that's too awesome. Um, let me back up a little bit. Um, sure. during your schooling and your training, um, again, obviously I've read, I've, I've promoted the, the bio about you a few days before the airing of the show today. And a lot of people reached out to me, you don't know this, reached out to me personally saying, do you actually know this person? I said, well, yes, I do. Why? And they said, I can't believe she represents 1% of African-American females that are pilots. And they were just stunned by this. I, I Literally over the last few days, Nia, I got maybe 50 to 60 private messages because they could not believe that little nugget I put out there and that you were going to be on the show. Um, and that's just amazing to me. So my question to you is when you, and again, I think I know the answer, but I'll let you uh, articulate it. When, when you were doing your training, obviously, I'm sure there was more obviously male dominant you know, white males out there, things of that nature. I don't know how many African-American females or other uh, nationality females were out there. Did, tell me what that was like. Did that bother you? Did you just, you know, go with your blinders on, so I'm going to do my thing? Did you, did you feel any resistance from the men or anybody else while you were doing your training? That's a, that's a great question. And let me just start off with the answer. It was lonely, uh, through through college, uh, my first airline job, it, it was lonely. Uh, most of the time, if not all the time, I was either the only black student, the only woman, or just a combination of being the only black woman. That was right. the norm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was lonely, but the one thing that I have is a great personality. I can right. get along with pretty much everybody. And yes, the one thing that I have in common with my counterparts are is aviation and a passion for flying and an enjoyment for this career. So it was, it was lonely from a cultural standpoint. Right. Um, you know, I couldn't come in the classroom and talk about some of the things that they're talking about because I wasn't able to relate, per se. Right, um, right. Unless it was aviation-related. Now, moving forward, you, you mentioned uh, just black women in the business and being the less than 1%. I did some research, and you can do research as well because we have the wonderful Internet, an awesome resource. Right. But I have numbers just to put things, like, in perspective, and I have airlines in their numbers. So just to give you an idea, like United Airlines, there's about 12,500 active pilots, and out of that number, 12,500, there's less than 15 black women pilots. Wow. And then there's American Airlines, and they have approximately 15,000 pilots in total, and there's five African-American women pilots. Five. And again, there's Delta Airlines, about the same 12,500. There's three black women pilots, and, you know, Southwest, JetBlue, it's all. It's all. It, the numbers are dismal. FedEx, there's out of, like, the last numbers that I have, like about 4,300 pilots, they have two black women pilots. The wow. numbers are dismal. And wow. I know most all of the black women because 
there's it's just a small group of us. Wow. Um, do you think uh, now? This is a tough question. Now, do you think that it's I don't know is that there's probably that there's the good old boys network um, still going on? Like we're not going to advertise for women to be pilots, especially African-American. Um, do you think it's because, you know, a lot of times I don't know other than you. I'll use myself as an example. Other than you, I didn't know. I don't know anybody else personally that's a pilot. And you just happen to be African-American and you're female. So if someone says they're going to go into the field that you're currently in, you, you your eyes perk up. And obviously they really perk up because obviously when I knew you were doing it, I said, that's great. I hope she, you know, really conquers it. And you have. So do you think it's, I don't know. It's just a still a norm to just figure men are going to be pilots. Most of them obviously going to be white. And we don't really advertise for diversity, especially to women and women of color to join this field. Do you think it's just it, it's not on their radar or they just consciously do it? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It's just it seems like you would think they would want to welcome more diversity in this field. I don't think that the industry is saying we don't welcome you, per se. I think they can do a better job of showing, representing us, like maybe in their advertisements. Right. right? Um, I think that would help. Right. It's such a special, unique business, being a pilot. It's a small community. People know people. It's really actually cool. We have our own language that we speak. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard or listened to air traffic control communications, but I'm sure you have no idea what we're talking about, but no. all the pilots know what's going on. <laughs> uh, there's lots of organizations out there, and with, again, the internet being a wonderful resource, you can just now just Google search, you know, right. black female pilots, women pilots. There's uh, an organization, there's the Organization of Black Aerospace Professionals that uh, caters to all aspects of careers in aviation. There's mm-hmm. women in aviation, and they cater to all aspects of careers in aviation, and with their focus of promoting women within the group. Right. Uh, I recently co-founded, we're about two years old now, I co-founded an organization called Sisters of the Skies, and I co-founded with a Coast Guard pilot because she's, she's a black female in Coast Guard. And just in the military, they, the numbers are also dismal. There's like a, a handful in the Air Force, pilots in the Air Force, uh, okay. about three in the Coast Guard. And, again, I'm referring to black women when I talk. Right. So, um, so, you know, we got together and started an organization. It's a nonprofit organization, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And our mission is to increase the numbers of black women pilots in professional careers of the military, the airlines, and corporate aviation. Um, and we, you know, speaking of that, we actually just finished our first outreach event last Saturday, this past Saturday, Shannon. It was pretty right. amazing. Uh, wow. May I share this information? I think you'd Absolutely. enjoy hearing it. Oh, oh like this, the floor is yours. Go right ahead. I'm, 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 in, I'm loving this. Go right ahead. Well, the idea started about a year ago where uh, we gave a scholarship to a young lady uh, for flight training. That was our first outreach. We said, you know, let's form this organization. It was uh, myself and her name is Angel Hughes. We came up with the idea that we need to network and find out how many black women pilots are actually out here. So we started naming the ladies that we each knew. And from that conversation became a group me app. And that GroupMe app, um, we had about maybe 70 ladies to join the GroupMe app. And okay. so it was like, oh, we're all here getting to know each other. What can we do? Let's give a scholarship out and increase the numbers. So we right. gave our first scholarship out uh, last year. And from there, we're like, what else can we do? Well, let's get out in the community and start recruiting some young girls. Let's expose them. Well, you know, there's other organizations out there that give airplane rides. So what makes us do something different than just give airplane rides? Well, we can make sure the pilots of our airplanes are black women because there's there's nothing, I don't, um, for you to see 
someone sitting in the plane next to you that looks just like you. That is right. like amazing and so impressionable, and um, that exposure is what these young ladies need to see. So, in order, the, what was important for us to do was to put on this camp or this one-day outreach where we invited young ladies, and we had like 50 young ladies here in Houston, Texas, come mm-hmm. out to the airport. We toured the Lone Star Flight Museum, and we also gave them flights in airplanes, real airplanes. Wow. And their pilots were all black women. So we had four aircraft, four black women flight instructors, and we flew 50 young ladies. And when I tell you, at the end of the day, I asked the, the young ladies, I said, how many of you now want to become pilots? And, like, most of the room had their hand raised. Wow. And that was just, it was just an amazing feeling to know wow. that we have um, shown these young ladies something that they, they just don't see. And they probably never even thought about, oh, I can be a Absolutely. pilot. Absolutely. And I think... But- us being African-Americans, I think that's the one thing that I've always wanted. I think you can speak to this, and I think you just did. Just include us all. All of us want to be exposed to the same things as everybody else so we can experience and try to find out what our passion is in life. You clearly have it with everything that you're doing. And I think what you're doing is wonderful because they would have never known this if you weren't doing what you're doing and your mentor wasn't doing what she was doing. It has to it has to pick up steam into where you all can start doing things of this nature. So my head is off to you. That's a wonderful story. I, that is, that, that's a beautiful thing. Thank you um, so much. Thank you so much, Shannon. Yes, it was, uh, it was uh, life-changing for me, actually, because all I kept imagining was at that age, because we took girls ages 10 to 17, and right. I just kept thinking, if I was that little girl and I sat next to a pilot and she flew me, oh, that would have been everything <laughs> for me, <laughs> you know? Who knows where I'd, I'd be right now, but, you know, right. it's just, so it was an awesome experience, yes. And that program is called Girls Rock Wings, and uh, we are, that was, this is our first event, but next year we're going to do a bigger and better, um, and it's going to be Girls Rock Wings 2019. So we don't. Wow. We have not secured our date yet, but we're definitely, okay. definitely going to get back out there and and get recruit some more young ladies to fly airplanes for sure. That is awesome. That is awesome. Okay, so we got uh, about five minutes or so before the break. Uh, let's get back to you. Let me ask you. Yes. So you've flown all over the world. So I want to kind of have a little fun with this part. Tell me the places that you've gone and what you've enjoyed and, 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 you know, being a pilot, you get to go everywhere. Tell me what were some of the places that you've gone and what you've enjoyed uh, in some of the spots that you've gone to. Wow. So, yes, I've been to, like, every continent except Antarctica. I'm not going there. <laughs> in Australia. So I've <laughs> okay. been quite a few places. I, okay. As far as North America, or I shouldn't say North America, the United States, I really enjoy Hawaii. I know everybody's like, oh, Hawaii, that's paradise. It really, really is. I enjoy Hawaii. But there's a huge world out there, Shannon, and whenever I go to a a destination that um, I've not been to before, I make it a point to go out and explore. So let me give you an example. I had a trip to uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, and Mm -hmm. I left Newark, flew over to Scotland. It was a, you know, we we fly in the at night. So by the time we get there, it was mm, probably like an eight-hour flight. This was several years ago. Mm -hmm. Got to Edinburgh. Um, It was a beautiful morning when we landed. We're driving from the airport to the hotel, and I'm tired, but I'm looking out the window, and I see in the middle of the city this huge castle. I was like, is that a castle? And the rest (laughs) of the crew who had been there a few times, they're like, yeah, that's, that's a castle. It's pretty awesome. You should check it out. And to see a castle in the middle of the city, right. I just, who sees that? It was just amazing. So uh, I went to the hotel. I needed to get a couple hours of rest because I was you know, really tired having flown all night. So right. I slept till about noon. When I woke up, Shannon, that beautiful sky was covered with clouds. Rain oh. was coming down. Wind was blowing. <laughs> and I just said, you know, I've never been here. I don't know when I'm coming back. I'm going to go see that castle. 
All and right. that's what I did. I walked around the city, went to visit the castle. It was pretty neat, pretty neat. So oh. I make it a point. It doesn't matter the circumstance. I'm going to go out and explore because it's a big world out here. There's cultures to, to learn about. There's yummy food to eat. <laughs> so um, I, I just, yeah, that's what I do. I, I travel the world. So I, I enjoy, I've been to Tokyo. I enjoy Tokyo. Um, I've been to uh, many places in Europe. I had an opportunity to fly to uh, the continent of Africa. We had a wow. route where we flew to Lagos, Nigeria, and I enjoyed going to Lagos, Nigeria. Um, I would, that was my trip. Like, I would go there all the time. We no wow. longer fly there to Lagos, Nigeria, so um, now I pretty much go to London. My routes are London. Um, we do some South America flying, and I go to Tokyo a lot. I love it. I love it. Well, Nia, we are up against the break. But when we come back in the final segment of the movement, we want to talk about what you're doing now. You briefly talked about your organizations, but I also want to talk to you about, about your family life and how you balance things out and how that and how, you know, how do you deal with that? I'm sure that's not easy for everybody. So we will be back with Neil Wordlaw right here on the movement right after this. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Trying to find a buyer for your home? Tired of paying fees and commissions? Need to get out of your home quickly with no fuss? Real market experts can help. Get a cash offer on your home today. Our nationwide network of investors will ensure you receive the best price for your home in Chicago and the Chicagoland area. Get started now. Call 1-800-SELL-NOW or 708-887-0795. You can also visit our website at realmarketexperts.com slash IL. Is your credit card processor for your business charging you high processing rates? Do you need an upgrade of your current credit card processing terminal and would like it for free? Let North American Bank Card lower those processing rates and qualify you for a free brand new credit card processing terminal. Call Shannon for a free statement analysis, 708-887-0795 or email Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com. If your life needs some structure and direction, you may need a life coach. Interested? Contact Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to The Movement. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email or if you are looking to be a sponsor for The Movement, contact the show via email to shannon at shannondhughes-themovement.com. That's shannon at shannondhughes-themovement.com. We'd love to hear from you. We are in the stretch run of the movement, and we are with Neil Wordlaw. And just tune in next week for week two. One wonderful woman down, seven more to go. The Me Too month of May continues next week with two extraordinary women. Join me next week when my guest will be author, speaker, and top producer, realtor, and founder of Shake It Up Now, Julie Sands, and Janet Rodriguez, owner and CEO of All Access Events, producer and co-host of the Dr. Levi Show, and executive producer of UPN Latino and UBN Radio TV. Their model, Shake It Up Now, and Love Life is exactly what they're doing, and they inspire others to do it as well. And that's next week on The Movement. Okay, Neil, let's have a little fun. So now, married, a couple of wonderful, beautiful children, how do you balance it all? I have a great, supportive husband, two wonderful, supportive parents and friends, (laughs) extended friends that have become family. Great. I know it. It, I know it, is, it. Uh, it is challenging to have a family and balance the, the traveling and the home life. And in this career, it's a, we're always in training, always studying. So it's a, it's a balance. But 
I think that uh, the, the, um, in order to succeed, you must have someone who's supportive and understanding as a partner and, uh, or have enough money to hire nannies. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So shameless plug right there. Shameless plug right there. I love it. Um, yeah, I want to talk about the event that I went to with my mother and my brother a couple of years ago. If you don't mind, I want to hit a few things before we let you go. The sure. the honor by PBS. I'm just going to let you take the floor with it. Sure. So a few years ago, I was um, approached or some producers reached out to me about a film that they were um, um producing uh, The Women's List, and they basically just gave me some background information about it, how they were going to feature several women's stories, and they came across my story and wanted to feature feature me in their film. And I thought, what a great opportunity for me to have a platform where I can share my story and hopefully inspire people. And so I agreed, and it was an awesome experience. I was in a film with uh, other women who are well-known. In fact, I was the only one who wasn't. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> other women like um, Madeline Albright, there was Alicia Keys, uh, Shonda right. Rhimes, who's a fellow yep. Chicagoan. Um, there was Wendy Williams, uh, right. Sarah Blakely. Like, the list just goes on and on. Well, not on and on, because it was a total of 15 of us. But right. um, that was a pretty neat experience. It's uh, the Women's List. It was aired on uh, PBS, and it was in 2015 where it aired. I believe you can still see it um, mm-hmm. on Netflix, I'm sure. Um, okay. And I'm sure if you do a Google search, you can find more information about it. But it was uh, American Masters, the Women's List, and it was an awesome experience, Shannon. It really was. Oh, I- I enjoyed going to that. I remember taking off the day of work and going with my mom and my and my brother and just some of our old school friends that you invited. That was one of the yes. best things I had I had ever seen. Um, I do want to touch something about that documentary, and you brought okay. it up, and we, we won't talk about it long. Um, obviously, okay. not nine eleven. Um, can you just tell us where you were and how you processed that? Sure. So I was actually flying uh, September eleventh. 2001. I was, at that time, I was based in New York at LaGuardia Airport, and uh, it was a Tuesday morning, our first leg, which is the first segment of your uh, your work day. I, we flew from um, Boston to uh, Newark, and we landed in Newark, you know, we got more passengers boarded and taxied out to the runway to depart from Newark which is just across the Hudson River from Manhattan. Um, If anybody's familiar with the geography of that area, uh, New York and New Jersey. So as we were taxiing, there was some smoke coming from the tower and there was a lot of um, radio jargon um, between pilots and the ground controllers. And just asking, hey, what's all the smoke we see over there, you know, and the tower controllers, or the ground controllers were just explaining. They're not sure. They're looking into it, and we continue to taxi, uh, get to the runway, and at this point, we switch over to tower. However, okay. because of all the communications on ground, I continue to monitor ground um, to hear what they figured out was going on. Um, mm-hmm. They end up shutting the airport down. However, we were already communicating with the tower frequency, so we were no longer part of that, that group, you know, that was going to be shut, uh, shut down with the airport. So okay. at this point, we were cleared onto the runway, and I saw a view of the smoke coming out of the uh, south tower. And, wow. uh, you know, like, wow, that's a lot of smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just sitting on the runway waiting for our takeoff clearance, and I didn't understand why we were taking off since they shut the airport down, but they didn't understand what the smoke was. Nobody really knew what was going on. In okay. any event, uh, we were sitting there for a while, and I saw another aircraft. I saw an aircraft flying down the Hudson and watched it come back towards the towers. I honestly thought, because you can't wrap your mind around what's going on, and you try to make sense of what you see, so I just thought that the plane that I saw, the only reason why it was so low flying in that area was because it was there to fight the fire, like the... You know, all the fires they have out in 
California, they have these planes come in, you know, drop water or the, the chemicals they use to put out the fire. That's right. the only thing that made sense to me. So at that moment, what I saw, what I registered in my mind was that plane is there to save the day. And when it did not do that, it instead um, hit the tower. It really, really took me um, to a, I don't even know how to explain it, because nobody could explain it. But I felt just like the rest of the world, confused, astonished, shocked. And in that moment, we also hear cleared for takeoff. And because I'm in the plane doing my job that I was trained to do, at no right. point in training were we ever taught right. how to react to that situation. We were taught how to react to, uh, you know, the aircraft, something that operating with the aircraft. So our aircraft was fine. We're not sure what's going on. We were cleared for takeoff, and we took off. So we proceeded to fly back to Boston, um, and the whole time I flew out of the New York area, and, and it's, many people travel, you know, that northeast region is extremely busy. And this was the one time in my entire career that the radios were completely silent. There were no planes talking. There was no, it was just us and silence. And we got handed off to the controllers as we flew back to Boston. Uh, When we landed, that was the one time in my entire career that I did not want to get in another airplane. I did not want to fly anymore. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so we landed in Boston I met with the Red Cross, uh, a Red Cross um, counselor, as well yeah. as the FBI, because they knew we took off and needed to. They needed to interview us to get a briefing as to what we saw, what you know, took place, what our interview. Um, from then, I made my way home, which is a whole other story how that happened, because right. the trains shut down. Obviously, I wasn't getting on an airplane. There were no airplanes flying anyway. Um, (laughs) you'll have to wait for my book to hear that story about how I got home. (laughs) Right, right, right. Nonetheless, I did make it home, um, and I got counseling. You asked how did I make it through? Well, I I had to get counseling. I mean, I think that mental health is is an issue that people tend to shy away from, but, you know, that's the only way to get past issues is to talk about it and to have somebody help you um, make sense. And uh, I remember the counselor, well, the Red Cross counselor told me that I should not quit, don't quit, because that's what they want you to do. Um, That resonated with me. Um, And then another counselor said to me that for the rest of my life, I will try to process what I saw. So don't be surprised when, you know, years years down the line, you might just, something could trigger an emotion for you, you know, um... But what kept me going, I did want to quit, but I have a family. Um, right. You know, I, this is all I do, and I, I, I love to fly. And so it just was a lot of uh, self-reflection, understanding, digging deep, pushing through. And I took some time off, but I'm glad. I thank God I did not quit because I can now be an inspiration and to others to say, you know, we all we go through things. Life is not... Uh, it's it's tough. It's we have challenges, but um, we have to just continue and push through and continue on this journey because on the other side there's a wonderful testimony and an opportunity to uh, make a difference in other people's lives and encourage other people. And I mean, in the end of the day, I think that's what purpose is all about—just helping others and living life. I, I don't know. That's what I, I do, could, Shannon. I try to I inspire others. I try to encourage others and, and live life with purpose. I c- couldn't have said it any better than that. And again, you could get trained to the to the umpteenth ever times, but that's that human side that takes over. And some people buckle, understandably so, but you know, you just got to push through it, especially in the field like yours and other uh, professions as well. So we have a few minutes left, Nia. Uh, I just want you to briefly give out your information. I know you speak, you have a couple of foundations. Could you please give us, you know, I know you talked about the sisters of the skies, purpose, faith and fly. Can you give us just a little quick rundown of those and who we can contact? We need to get a hold of you to speak or whatever else we need. Sure, absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, I do do public speaking, and um, if you'd like to hear me come and inspire your group, or you can reach out to Derek White. His number is 
378-8421. He's with Inertia Media Group, so you can also email him at dwhite at inertiamediagroup.com. As I mentioned earlier, we started a nonprofit organization, and our whole mission is to increase these numbers of women pilots, black women pilots, minority women pilots, increase the diversity in this business. And we have a website, sistersoftheskies.org. You can go to that website, and there's donate buttons, there's information about us, there's information about our events, and there's information about other women pilots who have journeys and stories that are wonderful to read about and hear about um, under our media page. There's plenty to, to, to read about and listen to. So that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, you, you, you know I could talk to you for another two hours on this, and I, I'm actually getting, I told you, uh, you know, during the break that I'm getting a lot of people responding because they're listening to you. So, again, sistersoftheskies.org. Please log on and check out everything they have there. Please donate. This is a wonderful cause. And, again, Neil's a speaker like I am as well. P- please, you can reach out to Derek, and I actually – that's how we got in contact with each other. Uh, Derek White, it's D White at inertiamediagroup.com. His number is 202-378-8421. And um, booking Nia for any of your speaking events would be in your best interest. I assure you that. Nia, I'm going to close with a motivational minute, but before I do, I just wanted to say I'm proud of you as your big brother. I am so proud of what you've done and what you continue to do to be a trailblazer in your field. Um, it is it was an honor and a privilege for you to uh, to have me to have you on this show uh, for these for these next five weeks uh, doing the Me Too movement um, and just pushing this women's empowerment and to say that you kicked the doors down that would be an understatement. So Nia, I thank you for starting your movement and thank you for being on my movement, Nia. Thank you for having me, Shannon, my big brother. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. So my motivational minute to close the show, ditch school. Now, normally ditching school means I get to go play hooky. I get to go and do non-educational activities. But if you were listening to my little sister, Nia, she did it because she had a passion about something. She wasn't exposed to someone, something or someone in a field that she wanted to be in. She took literally took planes, trains and automobiles to get to where she needed to go to see something, which then ignited a flame in her. So I say ditching school. If you're going to take a chance like that, make sure it's for the reasons that's going to benefit you in the long run. Because of Nia and what she's done, she's not only been able to provide for her family, she's also setting a blaze for people of young women of African-American females of color and every and every other gender and multi-race to go and do the same things that she did. I never would have known as a, as a kid that my little sister would be doing what she is, but I'm proud to call her my little sister. But there's nothing little about what she's doing. This is Shannon D. Hughes. Thank you for joining the movement. Join me next week. Julie Sands of Shake It Up Now and Janet Rodriguez, CEO of All Access Events. Thank you all very much. And as, as I always say, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. And again, thank you for joining the movement. Take care, guys. Thank you for joining us for The Movement. Your host, Shannon D. Hughes, invites you to tune in again for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.